welcome to the podcast of the Vine Church in Fullerton, California. For more information, visit thevineoc.com. Amen. Well, hey, good morning again. Great to be back with you. And uh, this past Sunday, Andy and I were away. We had a great time. But when we got back, we noticed something in our home. And what it was, was the smell of gas, very strongly. And so we called the gas company to check it out, and he did all the kind of readings and all these things. And turns out we had a gas leak, a significant gas leak uh, in our home. So he had to turn that off, and, and so we were without gas for several days, and that was a whole experience. Uh, and uh, it was kind of an ordeal. Uh, and for some reason, this keeps happening to us. So, so a couple summers ago, we, we got out of town for a little vacation, came back, House is flooded. And so for some reason this keeps happening. Uh, but So here's what I resolved. What Satan meant for evil, I'm going to use for a sermon illustration. Okay? <laughs> I'm going to redeem this somehow. So I hope you're on board with that. So how, how does this relate to anything? I thought about it for a while, and I figured it out. <laughs> I figured it out. So, so think about this. Why did we have a gas leak? Well, well, it turns out our home was built in 1962, so over time what happened was our pipes just sort of corroded, and eventually that led to actually multiple gas leaks in our home. But what this is an image of, or an illustration of, is that the default trajectory of life after the fall is actually toward decay, toward corrosion, disintegration, entropy, if you will, But that's not just true of physical objects like pipes. That is also true of our lives. If you just drift spiritually, if you're just sort of on spiritual autopilot, that will not lead you toward life, that will not lead you toward health or toward flourishing or wholeness. Where that will lead you is actually toward spiritual decay. Uh, Let's go back to plumbing for a minute. So one of the things I learned (laughs) this past week, we're just going to milk this. One of the things I learned this past week, so not only did we have a gas leak, we also had a drain that was clogged, so we're like, hey, just do it all, you're here. And so one of the things I learned is that how you steward your pipes, what you do with your pipes actually matters. And so he explained that if you have a clogged drain, the worst thing you could possibly do is to dump a bunch of Drano in that. Why? Well, he said, well, as some of you are cringing, like, uh-oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, what he said was what happens in the short run that that will you know resolve, dissolve that hairball or whatever it is, but the the bad news is that that will corrode your pipes so actually destroy your pipes that will increase the the corrosion and, and that 's an image of the fact that how you steward your life matters kind of what you put into your life it actually matters and in some ways we get this. So I have a friend who's a bodybuilder. And so he measures out like not only like every calorie, but like every macronutrient. He's got like a, uh, an app and, and, and then like all the, uh, the supplements and how much water intake and when he uh, intakes what. And so, I mean, like, so, so, so he does just an image of just, he takes such great care of what he feeds his body because he knows it actually matters. So let me apply this. If what goes into our pipes matters, If what goes into our bodies matters, how much more so does it matter what we feed our soul, our mind, our heart? How much more so does that matter? See, if if we're careless 
with what we sort of consume and, and take into our hearts and our minds. You know, just we just fill it with whatever kind of junk happens to be floating around on social media or whatever sort of absurd clickbait headlines or whatever kind of, you know, just sort of non-edifying content on TV or if we fill our hearts with conversations that are full of gossip or, or envy or contempt. Those are the kinds of things that actually lead you to a life of worry, to a, a life of discontent, a life of ego, a life of rage, a life of fear and anxiety. But if, on the other hand, we want to have lives that are filled with the righteousness, peace, and joy of the kingdom of God, then we have to be intentional with what we feed our souls. And so today, we're talking about reading the Bible. And so if you remember nothing else, remember that this is what the sermon is about, reading the Bible. Someone asks you later, what was that sermon around? I don't know if it's going to be a good sermon or not, but you can, if they ask you what is it about, you won't just, you just, you'll know this is about reading the Bible. So uh, that much will be very clear. Um, and today we're kicking off a new mini-series before the season of Lent, and, and we're calling this Discipleship Essentials. And, and in this series, we're talking about some things that are essential for our growth in Christ, our growth as followers of Jesus Christ. A couple weeks ago, we finished up a series called Kingdom Come, and where we ended that series was by, by talking about how if we want to live life in the kingdom of God, in other words, if we want to live life under the rule and reign of God, where that really starts is with going all in by really surrendering our lives, our wills to Christ. Now, now, that's the kind of thing that can happen in a moment, and that is essential, but the question is, once you do that, once you come to that place of surrender, Jesus, I want to follow you, I want to know you, I'm all in, well, how do you grow in the kingdom from there? And so that's why this series, how do you grow in the life of the kingdom? And so that's what we're talking about today. Uh, we're, we're talking about reading the Bible as one of the central things that God uses to help us grow in our lives. Now, I, I wonder, if I, I wish I kind of had some like high-tech device, and I hear there's some devices that are supposedly able to kind of, kind of you know, read brain waves and try to kind of extrapolate what you might be thinking about. So I, I wonder if I, if I were to ask you, what do you think about the Bible? I wonder what would come to mind for you. I, I remember when I was a college freshman, even though I grew up in the church, what I thought of, I thought, well, the Bible, you know, it's kind of like a venerable book, but it's just kind of like this dusty old book that has really nothing to do with me and in my life. I just didn't get it. And, and so for me, I thought, you know, maybe it's true, perhaps uh, it, it's true, but I just assumed it was utterly irrelevant to my life. So that may be true, but irrelevant. Some people say uh, relevant, but not true. And so some think, you know, well, you know, it's not really true. I mean, it's more like an allegory or, I don't know, a myth. Or it's just kind of like inspirational. You know, maybe there's some good teaching, you know, kind of some pick-me-up kind of verses. But really, it's nothing. It's not about a reality. This is, you know, more like a myth or a, a fable. So some people think it's, uh, it's maybe true but irrelevant. Some think it's relevant in some sense but not true. Uh, and, of course, if that's what you think, then you probably won't spend much time with this book, right? You just won't. But in contrast to that... What the Bible says about itself, and what Christians have always believed, is that this book is not only true, but relevant, and furthermore, that this is something that has the power to change your life. That this is, has the power of God to, to change uh, your life. And, and uh, we'll see what the Bible says about itself in a moment. But, but first, I want to ask, if this is true, if that's what the Bible teaches about itself, why, why don't we read it more? What, you know, if we're Christians, we say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, why, why don't we read it more? A survey by an American research group found that 94% of Americans, now this is kind of, might be shocking, 94% of Americans, whether they believe or not, actually own a Bible. 
And, and most people actually have multiple copies in their home. If you look at bestseller lists, if it was, if it was exhaustive, not just of new releases, but like, it's like tops of the list every time, just every time. And, and, and 90% actually, in the study I read, believe it applies today in some sense. 86% believe it is holy. And yet 30%, uh, only 30, less, actually less than 30% read it weekly uh, uh, outside of church, if, if that. Uh, and and, uh, and I've, I've heard from uh, friends who even teach at, uh, you know, a local Christian college that uh, Bible studies show this, that Bible literacy is at an all-time low, uh, that there was in this study, one survey, uh, 30% of people who responded uh, believe Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. <laughs> and um, that's it's not a joke. It's not a joke, honestly. And uh, so, so, so it's it's like, and on the one hand, many people think, yeah, this there's something here. This is valuable. This is true. Uh, but for some reason, we're not reading it. And so, why is that? And I think there there are many things, but two main things. One, some people they just don't know why. Uh, you know, like as a, as a kid growing up in the church, I had some kind of vague sense of duty that, you know, maybe I probably should be reading this, but I just no one had ever given me a compelling vision for why this really matters. And so that's one reason. The second reason is some people's like, well, they might have some vision, but they have no idea how, right? And I was there for many years. I think, well, and again, I grew up in the church, but I, I don't know. My, now my parents read it to me as a kid, but I, I didn't know what to do with this thing. And, and so I think those are two of the main issues. And so that's what we're going to lean into today. Why should we read the Bible? What's this about really? But then secondly, how do we do it? So there will be some practical edge in the second part. Okay, so that, that's where we're headed. So, so here's the first question. Why should we read the Bible? What's the point? I want to give you three reasons. And the first is that this is where we find life. This is where we find life. I want to read Psalm 19 again. I'll read verses 7 through 10. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. Doesn't that sound good, to be refreshed? The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. I don't know about you, but I need wisdom. (laughs) The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. I mean, doesn't that sound so good? The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord, this is another way of referring to the Bible, are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. You see, these are words of life. Philippians 2, 16 actually says, that describes it as the word of life. Hebrews 4, verse 12 says this, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and joint, excuse me, soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. As I shared earlier, uh, uh, when I was growing up and I was as a college, I thought this was just some dusty old book, uh, and it's kind of a long story. But God led me to a place where um, I had everything in my life that the world told me that I needed to be happy. Yet I was, and I was not following Jesus at this time, uh, but I had everything the world told me I needed to be happy. Yet I was miserable. I was empty inside. And there's something within me very deep that just, I just knew somehow there had to be more. There had to be more to life. And then, you know, I kind of tried everything, but eventually I, this, this, I kind of, you know, when you kind of knock off all the other options, like, well, 
maybe, is maybe God? Could God possibly be the answer to all this? And so I kind of went on a journey of exploring, like, what do I believe? Like, what's true? And eventually, I took that dusty book off my shelf that my mom had given me, blew the dust off, and sat down on my dorm bed, and I started to read. And, and what I have to tell you, it's a long story. I'm going to give you the short version, but it's like this book came alive for me. I was so shocked. Like, like What? Like, what? Like, it just, like, came, like, there'd be times, like, words, like, jump off the page and just, like, just speak right to my heart, right what was going on in my life. One of the things I found, actually, is that not only is this true, it is so relevant that, like, people haven't changed that much. Yeah, we have Google, but you know what? The things we struggle with haven't changed. Fear, anxiety, I mean, all these different things. Anger, all these things. People haven't changed. And this Bible is so relevant. But for me, it came alive, and it just changed my life. And my story is just one of literally billions throughout the century. Billions. I want to read to you a quote from Rick Warren. He kind of sums it up like this. He says, reading the Bible generates life. It produces change. It heals hurts. It builds character. It transforms circumstances. It imparts joy. It overcomes adversity. It defeats temptation. It infuses hope. It releases power. It cleanses the mind. Truly, this is an amazing book. So, so the first reason we read the Bible is because th- in this we find life, that these are words of life. But you might wonder, why is it that this book so uniquely has this kind of power, carries this kind of life-transforming power in it? Well, glad you asked. And, and that leads to the second reason <laughs> we should read the Bible, and it's because it is God-breathed. It's God-breathed. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 puts it like this. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so what we're being told is one of the reasons we should read the Bible is because that this is God-breathed. And so what that means is that the words in this book are not, not the product of just some dude's like pontification, like, I don't know, maybe God's like this, or maybe, you know, it's not, that's not what this is. Rather, this verse is saying that these words are actually inspired by God himself, that he is the ultimate author. Now, that doesn't mean that, that the Bible is just sort of dictated and, and, and the authors are like robots, because we see very clearly that the human authors, there's 66 books in the Bible, there's different kinds of literature, different genres, there's poetry, there's kind of theological biography, historical narrative, various genres, but that God, through that process of inspiration, that he drew on their personalities and their backgrounds, but really what this is saying is that although this is uh, something that was penned by human beings, this is ultimately and 100% inspired by the living. God. And so we read this not only because in it we find life, but also because this is God breathed. And here's the third reason. And really, this is just another way of talking about what we just said. The third reason we read the Bible is because through it, God speaks. Now, by saying that, I don't mean that he, he, he merely spoke in the past, but actually that even as we read these words today, he speaks afresh through these words words. Martin Luther puts it like this. He says, the Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. And so for me, when I read the Bible in light of all this, I I don't just come 
to get information. I, I don't just come to get facts. The main reason I read the Bible is because I want to hear the words of God. I want to hear Jesus speaking to me through these words. I, I don't want to just get facts or information. I want to grow actually in a relationship with God, that he is a living God. This is his living word, and then through it, he speaks. And through this, we get to know him and actually grow in a relationship with him. And, and think about this. I got thinking about this. There, there are a lot of people uh, who, who actually spend a lot of money on things like psychics or fortune tellers or, or mediums or, or various things, trying to get some sort of information from like a higher source. But do you realize what we have here? This is times we have the, actually the very words of God. And, and, and so really through this, I mean, that God is speaking. So how could we pass this up? This is like such this amazing opportunity we have been given. So, so how could we not read this? It is such an amazing book. Such an amazing book. So, so just to sum this up, make sure we're all on the same page. Why, why, why do we read the Bible? First, because through this we find life. Second, uh, because it is God-breathed. And, and third, because through the Bible, God speaks. Okay, now in the rest of our time together, I want to get just, just kind of very practical, because uh, even if you've been in church, you might not really have a sense of like, well, what do I actually do with this book? How, how do you read it? And so I want to talk, talk to you about that, and I'll give three kind of main points, and some of these will have kind of some sub-points. Uh, but, but the question is, is how do we read the Bible? And, and the first uh, way is, is that, the first point really is that we need to make a plan. We need, we need to get some sort of plan. Uh, this is not something uh, you'll just sort of drift into. Uh, you will not drift into being someone who's really well-read in the Bible. And so what that means is that you actually need to make a commitment to actually have this as part of your life. Now, what does that involve? So, so the first thing is that I need to set a regular time to read God's Word to, and to let God speak to me through that. And I, I need to guard that time. So it's, it's actually, and it's kind of actually kind of like sleep. I have been doing some uh, reading about sleep, and I've learned that, um, that, 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 that uh, uh, scholars say that if you wake up at the same time you go to bed, the same time every day, that actually will help your sleep tremendously. In other words, if you have kind of a rhythm, well, the same thing is true when it comes to reading the Bible. If you have a rhythm, if you're just kind of like, well, whenever I get time, good luck. Good luck with that. But if you set a time, you know what, at this time each day, and it could be different times, uh, I, I'm going to meet with God, I'm going to open this, this book, and I'm going to read, and I'm going I'm to listen to God. That will help you so tremendously to really uh, to set a time, to kind of develop, again, a, a, a rhythm. So important. Now, we're not talking about legalism here, but we are talking about is, is in terms of being thoughtful and intelligent in our approach to this. Uh, no less thoughtful than if you want to get in shape physically. So if you want to get in shape physically, what do you have to do? I'll tell you what I have to do. I need a plan. I will not just float over to the gym. I, that I've never found myself. Whoa! What am I? What, what am I doing here? No, I never just woke up on the treadmill. It never happened. I had to be very, very intentional. Okay, I'm putting this in my calendar. This time, I'm going to the gym, and then I have to get to bed at a certain hour so I can actually wake up to go to the gym. Right? And so there's a whole thing. You actually have to have intention and some thoughtfulness in this. No less than if we want the Bible to be a, a real important part of our life. Uh, and, 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 of course, one of the reasons why a lot of people don't spend time with, with the Bible is, is, is they feel like they're, they're too busy. And I totally get that, and I've said that many times, many, many times. Uh, and I know some people are. I've got a friend uh, in our church who's a CPA. He's working 17-hour days right now, so if anybody's too busy, it's him. Uh, but when, when people say that, what I'd like to ask, uh, not in a snarky way, but just like in a, like in a, like in a helpful way, uh, is, well, busy with what? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever actually like, recorded how you spend your time? I did that one time, and I found like, well, huh, I'm watching more TV than I thought. 
you know, things like that. Uh, actually, a study I came across says that the average American spends almost six hours a day on video. Could be YouTube, could be TV, various things. And of course, nobody in this room. Um, uh, but, but for the average American, <laughs> TV is number one. And so, again, if, you, if you're in that place, if you're like, oh, that sounds good, but I just feel like I'm so busy, I, I'd encourage you, like, actually keep track. Like, like how are you spending your time, really? Uh, and, 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 and then that will maybe give you some insight and maybe some adjustments you might need to make. And so this is uh, something that's been helpful for me. So, so, so we, we need to kind of uh, set aside a time, uh, a regular time. But then the second thing you might wonder is when. Well, when should you read the Bible? And sometimes people get legalistic here. And the reality is, my, the way I'd sum this up is, when are you at your best? When you're at your best, if, you're, if that's the morning, meet with God in the morning. Uh, if, if that's at night, when I was a college student, for me, that was at night, uh, total night owl. I'm a recovering night owl right now. And uh, so for me, that was at night. And, and so if that's you, awesome. Uh, but, you know, if you look at the Bible, you know, often we see Jesus meeting with the Father, in, you know, early in the morning. And I think there's some wisdom there, at least now that I have kids. Uh, if I get up earlier, that actually there's wisdom in that because guess what? There's not all the noise and sounds and things now. So it's almost like I have to be there really early or really late for me to kind of, kind of be able to focus uh, in that. And so, but the question is, when, when are you uh, at, at your best? And um, so again, the Bible, we see people meeting with God in all kind of different times throughout the day. There's no legalism here, but when are you at your best? What's going to really help you connect with him? And not just give, you know, I find sometimes if it's just after a long day of work, it's just like, oh, I'm giving him just like the scraps, you know? And so he doesn't want that. He really wants you to be able to connect with him, be present with him, uh, because this is actually where you're going to find life, okay? And so, so that, that's, that's on the wind. The question is where? And, and, uh, and the answer is really wherever you can focus, and so some people, like myself, I've got like a little home office, and so I kind of like shut the door off and I have to lock it, and then like, you know, and I kind of hold myself up in there. Uh, some people, you, maybe you thrive, like noise helps you focus. So some people, maybe that's a coffee shop, and so you can be creative with this. Some people, like you just like very like kinesthetic, and you need to take a walk and talk to God, although reading the Bible, that's hard. I guess I'm thinking about prayer now. But <laughs> you could do the audio Bible. You could do the audio Bible with that. Some people do that. But what I'm saying is find wherever is going to help you focus, Okay. Again, it's not about legalism, it's about where, where, what's going to help you really get in the Word and connect with God. And another question often comes up is, well, well when uh, you open up this book, what, what do you read? I remember when I was a college freshman, and I just had this, again, something stirred in me, like, I'm going to read this. Uh, I didn't know where to start, so I, I made a friend down the hall in my dorm who was a follower of Jesus, totally great guy. So I'm like, hey, could you help me out? Like, where do I start in this thing? And he said, well, there's this book named Matthew. It's about Jesus. Start there. And I said, okay, cool. And I started there. And actually, that was a really, that was really great advice. So if you're here today, you've never read the Bible, whether you've been in church or not, if you've never read the Bible, I would say start in this book called Matthew. It's the first of four books called Gospels. Gospel means good news. And these are books about the good news of Jesus Christ. They're, they're kind of biographies of his life, uh, what he did, who he is. And, and this is really the, the most important foundation that you could have for anything else. And so for me, I, I started with Matthew and I just read all four Gospels. And then I just kept reading throughout the New Testament. And then I eventually made my way through the Old Testament. And there are different ways you can do this. But I would say start in Matthew or one of the Gospels, if you're, if you're new to this. Now, let's say you, you maybe feel like, hey, I'm, I'm pretty biblically grounded. How do you figure out what, what, what do you read? Where do you read? And I think there are two ways you can approach this. And one is uh, to ask God. 
and, and sometimes I do that. God, is there something in particular you would have me read today or in this season? And oftentimes I'll, I'll get a sense of him directing me to a particular passage. Or, uh, and, and, and so that's one. But another way is to kind of adopt a plan and then just kind of commit to that. And you're going to follow that. And so uh, if you would like some resources there, if you fill out your email on a Connect card in front of you and place that, there's a box by the exit on your way out. We would love to send you some resources that will go out in our uh, newsletter this week. Uh, but also one thing I, I wanted to mention that is so helpful, there's, there's something called the Bible in One Year app that uh, Nikki and uh, Pippa Gumbel from uh, HTB Church in, in London, which is a church we have connections with, uh, they created this app. It's just so wonderful. It's just a very, so many of us were on our phones, uh, and this is something that can be with you there the whole time. There's audio, there's some brief commentary, there's even audio commentary. You could be in your car and listen at such a helpful app. These are uh, the people who came up with the Alpha Course, which is just millions of people around the globe have, have, have encountered Jesus through the Alpha Course. And so it's a wonderful tool. So uh, I, I highly recommend that to you. If you want to dig a little deeper on kind of some historical background of, 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 of the Bible and certain uh, passages, there's, there's another wonderful online resource called the Bible Project. That's something else you can uh, consider. Um, uh, so much we could talk about there. Uh, one thing, I'll, I'll just one more thing. I'll just throw in here. I, I think I think uh, a really uh, kind of a, a healthy way of approaching your time in the Bible is is a mix of discipline and spontaneity. I think we need some sort of whether you're more asking God or more you, you have a plan. I think we we all need some mix of discipline and spontaneity. So for me, that means my backbone. I have some sort of plan. I'm making my way through a book or a certain plan, but then I will still take time. Sometimes I just feel a stirring. Gosh, I don't know. I, I, I need to I need to read about this or just feel God leading me to something. So I think we need we need that sense of freedom and that mix uh, because if if you're all spontaneity, you can often just spin your wheels. But if you're all disciplined, sometimes it gets dry, it gets rigid, and so I think we, 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 we need this mix. That's, just, that's, that's a freebie. So. <laughs> but here's, here's our final question under this, under this make a plan point. You might wonder, well, how much time should you spend? For five minutes? Ten minutes? Twenty? Thirty? Like, like how much time should you spend? Well, here's, here's why I would encourage you. There was someone who would love to give you some guidance about that. His name is God. So I encourage you, you know, everyone here, just, just ask him. And you might not hear, I'm not saying you're going to hear an audible voice, but he can actually guide you and direct you uh, in, in that. And I just and with that, I would say don't set an unrealistic goal. And so let's say uh, you never run. It's probably not a good idea to, hey, tomorrow I'm going to run a marathon. It probably won't work out too well. You'll get discouraged. You'll probably pass out. I mean, it just won't work out too well. And so if you never read the Bible, saying, hey, I'm going to read the Bible an hour every day starting tomorrow, it's pro- you're probably setting yourself up for, for trouble, right? And so I would say be realistic. And so e- ease your way into it. Uh, but also if you've maybe been reading for five minutes every day, well, and that's been going for a few years, maybe it's time to challenge yourself, you know? And, and so with that, I just think, 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 think about that. Uh, but really, I think the main thing is ask, asking God. And the goal in this, it's not about speed. Some people think the goal is like, how many words can I have go in front of my eyes? That's not the point. We really need to take our time with this so that it gets in us and changes us. And so let's say you're going to spend, I don't know, 15 minutes reading the Bible. I would, I would recommend taking, let's say you take eight minutes, maybe nine minutes where you read, but then you reserve the end of that time to really reflect on what you read, and maybe talk to God about it, and see prayer and, and the Bible, uh, this, these aren't mutually exclusive things, these are actually to go hand in hand, that we should kind of chew on, and meditate, and talk with God about what uh, we're reading, and that is just so, so important, so important, so all that's under the, the heading of, of make a plan, that, that's the first thing, okay, in terms of how we read the Bible, second, second point, you might, well, what do you do when you actually read 
the Bible, okay? And so there, there are a few things under here. And the first I would recommend is just ask God to really speak to you through this. A- ask him to really meet with you as you open this book, to, to really orient yourself that I'm not just coming to get information, that I want to meet with a person, that I want to meet with a living God. God, I'm here to meet with you. Would you speak to me in this time? There's a wonderful, wonderful verse I often pray. This is Psalm 119, verse 18. It says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And that's just such a great prayer to pray because what the psalmist is implying is that there's so much richness, there's so much wisdom, there's so much life in this book that you actually need God's help to actually even perceive that. It's like there's treasure all around you, but it's like you've got like these blinders and you need his help to actually remove that so you can see just the, the richness that is there. It's a, it's a prayer of humility. It's a prayer asking for God's illumination to help you understand. And that is, I think, just a wonderful way to begin and to orient your times in the word. Here's the second thing I would recommend, is to read from a good, readable translation. And so if you speak the Queen's English, uh, for, you know, from, from centuries ago, you know, awesome, you know, but for so many of us, I know that sometimes maybe the Bible we have at home is inaccessible in terms of how we speak. So I would say, find a good, readable translation. So for me, I often like to use the, the NIV, means New International Version, and, and something's written in, 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 in language that is very readable and, and helpful. And, and you might know that the, the Old Testament was written uh, in Hebrew, the New Testament primarily in Greek. So there are lots of different translations and many wonderful uh, translations. And by the way, if you don't have a readable translation of the Bible, we have some free New Testaments on the info table uh, in the hallway. We'd love for you just to grab one on the way out as our gift to you. And so that's just an invitation uh, uh, if you don't have one uh, today. Um, Third thing, I I would encourage you to read whole passages of the Bible. So sometimes what people do is they treat the Bible like a collection of fortune cookie fortunes. (laughs) Ever done this? And here's what I used to do when I actually, when I first, before, uh, when I first started reading the Bible, because I'm like, okay, maybe I'll just open it up a random page and put my finger in some random spot, and maybe that's like my fortune cookie for today. You know, it's like, this is, this is my, my verse for today. And sometimes, I mean, you can, you can do the weirdest things with that, the weirdest things. So, so let me just illustrate, because we get this like in reading other types of text, but somehow like, we put the Bible in some like this weird category, like it's like the Ouija board. It's not a Ouija board. This is a book. No, it's a divinely inspired book, but it is a book. And you read books. Start to finish, right? You don't just take random sentences. So here, here, here's, here, here's, I'll give you a sense of how silly it is to just take a random sentence and, and then like make that like something to guide your life. So, so uh, I, I, I picked a random uh, sentence out of an email I got. It said, could you help me with my Kickstarter? So how do you apply that to your life? Well, it depends on what it means. How do you know what it means? Well, there's no way you will possibly ever know what that means without reading the surrounding context, right? Because what could that mean? Well, it could mean, oh, uh, hey, friend, uh, I've got a motorcycle, and, and the Kickstarter uh, broke, and, and could you help me fix that? <laughs> or it could mean, hey, I'm raising money for this project I'm doing, and there's this online fundraising co- tool called Kickstarter. It's, it's a real thing, by the way. And could you help me raise money? So this is just two examples. Well, you have no idea what, how to even apply this or respond if you haven't read this in context. See what I mean? See, see we, we need to read whole passages, not just isolated verses. No, I guess you can like the Instagram verse on the deal. That's cool. You know, but in terms of when you're in time when you're reading the word, you need to read whole passages of scripture. Okay, so so important. So important. Does that make sense? Okay, good. You're with me. Okay. Good, good, good. Okay. So uh next thing I would recommend, I know we're getting super packed, but I hope this is helpful for you. Next thing is I encourage you to take notes. Uh, I want I think it's so important that you feel freedom to actually even take notes in your Bible. 
you know, so I, I always have a pencil with me. And so sometimes I might underline a word. I, I might circle a word. I might even take a little note in the margin that reminds me either this is an insight I had or I feel like God spoke to me. And, and this can help me just, and sometimes I look back and, oh, yeah, God really spoke to me in this. And, and uh, some people like to journal. Now, there's no verse that says, thou shalt journal. <laughs> so if it doesn't work for you, hey, don't worry about it. But if it helps you, I would say do it, you know. And so some people have like a, you know, a written journal. Some people, I often have a Word document. I'm kind of taking notes. So, I mean, this can look all kind of different ways. But again, the key is what's going to help you connect with God? What's going to help you learn and really let this get into you, okay? So, so it, it, taking notes. So, so important. One, one more thing with that is I know especially if you're new to the Bible, it can be really tempting to get bogged down. Because like every third sentence, you're reading something like kind of unfamiliar, like, well, what does that mean? And, and, and some of that's okay, but sometimes the temptation, at least if you're like me, the way I'm wired, I'm very intellectual. And so like I can easily go off on like some rabbit trail, like some theological, well, what is the theology of, uh, I don't know, pick, pick whatever topic, and then I can just fall down some Google rabbit hole, right? You know, and so I think so many people do that. But it's like if you're new to the Bible, the most important thing is not that you like button down every theological question that theologians have been debating through centuries. You want to get a big picture. Okay, so just kind of, you can note that. Okay, that's an interesting question. I don't know what to think about that. I'd love to explore that sometimes. Just take note, so you can come back to that. Uh, maybe we can have a conversation or whatever. You can do some study on that sometime. But really just keep moving so you get kind of a bird's eye view. That is so, so important to not get bogged down, okay? Um, and uh, the next thing is, is as you read, so um, again, you're asking God to meet with you. So that's, that's kind of the orientation of your heart. Uh, and, 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 and you're taking notes. We talked about a, a couple other things. But then the next thing is to ask good questions. That God actually wants you to be curious about his word. Uh, he actually wants you to be thoughtful as you read it. And the two most basic questions are, what does it mean and how does it apply? So what does it mean? What is God saying through this? But then how does it apply to my life? Because we never want to leave it at just the information level. We always want this to impact our lives, okay? But with that, I want to add just some additional questions that can be really helpful. You might want to take, uh, you can put the next slide up. Questions to ask. There we go. And you can unfold that. And uh, so these are just kind of, uh, you can just keep going through the whole list. And so these are just classic uh, Bible study questions. And the first is, what does this passage tell you about God? Another question is, what does this passage tell you about yourself? Uh, Are there any examples to follow or avoid? Are there any commands to obey or things to do? Is there a sin to confess? Is there a prayer to pray? Are there promises to claim? Is there a question that God is asking you? See, these, if you start asking these kinds of questions, that will take your time with God's word so much deeper. And so I I recommend that to you. You might want to take a photo with your phone just so you can have that uh, uh, to chew on. And and again, that's fodder for just reflection, for meditation, for talking with God uh, about that. I want to share just a brief uh, quote on... uh, meditation. So uh, I once heard John Ortberg say something very helpful on, on meditation, and, and he was speaking. He said, for many people, meditation can be an intimidating word that they think requires special training. Then he asked people, how many of you have learned to worry? <laughs> so think about that. <laughs> and he went on to point out that if you can worry, you can meditate. Because what meditation is, it's just positive worry. <laughs> It's part of how the mind gets transformed. And, and, and so what happens in worry, right, the same thought, a fearful thought keeps repeating over and over and over. But what meditation is, we take something edifying from God and we let that repeat over and over. So rather than dragging us down, it actually lifts us up. And, and, 
and he observed that you will worry by default, but you will not meditate by, by default. And so again, that's just a reminder of what we're talking about requires intentionality. I love that positive worry. Isn't that that's a great image? So good. So here, here's, here's the fifth thing. So ask good questions. The next thing is to talk with others about what you're reading. Uh, had just a wonderful uh, 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 time with my girls. I have two, two lovely daughters and amazing wife. And we had dinner the other night. And my daughter, Elizabeth, who's in kindergarten, asked, Dad, what, what is humility? Well, that's a wonderful question. And she heard that word at school, but she didn't know what it meant. So she asked me, I love, and I always affirm them when they ask questions. That's such a good question. And so that was just an occasion. I got to talk with them about not only what that means, uh, but also about what God's word says about that and how God opposes the property, gives grace to the humble. And this is first and foremost about humility before God and then through, uh, before other people. And it's just it's wonderful conversation. But actually, the Bible tells us to actually do this. So in the book of Deuteronomy, it's a, it's a great book. It's the last uh, of the books that Moses wrote in the Old Testament. And what it does is, is it kind of takes all the law, all the books that came before Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Numbers. And it's like Moses is giving sermons to encourage people to give their whole heart to God, and it, but it's more like in preached form rather than like in tablet form, okay? And so I'm going to read to you this from Deuteronomy uh, 6, verses 6 through 9. Moses says this, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Well, how do you get it on your heart? How do, how do you impress them on your children? Well, here's what he says to do. Talk about them when you sit at home. When you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hand, and bind them on your foreheads or, or, or write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, he could mean that literally, but I don't think he does. And when he says on your foreheads, on, on, on your hands, what I think he means is that in all your thoughts and in all your daily activities, I want you to be talking about these things. I want you, these things to be going through your mind, to be part of actually your, con, your conversations. And so you just might you know, think, well, when, when was the last time that I actually you know, talk with someone about what I'm reading? in the Bible. And this can be very natural, by the way. This can be very natural. You know, that reminds you, someone says something, you know, that reminds me, I was just reading in the Bible the other day. Yeah, it says this, blah, 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 blah. You know, this can be very natural and organic in our lives, but that, that's part of how we actually grow in this, is that we not only read, uh, uh, but we also actually have this be part of our conversation, okay? So, so, so uh, we can move to the next point. So the last thing here, just before we wrap up, is, is that it's so important that as we read uh, God's word is that we come actually with the right attitude, um, and this is actually the main thing. And uh, we need the uh, right sort of attitude as we approach the Bible. And, and I, I suspect that the reason many people, when they read the Bible, nothing happens when they read it, it's because that's exactly what they expect will happen. <laughs> There's something about our attitude that can impact how this uh, works in uh, our, our lives. And so there are just a few things with this here. So, and the first thing is that, that we need to come with an attitude of seeking relationship with Christ. Um, and so w- when you read the Bible, you, you might just want to reflect sometime. You know, am I reading this just out of mere duty? Uh, or am I just coming to get information? Or am I coming to meet with a person? God is a person. He has thoughts. He has a mind. He has will. He has, he has uh, affections. So am I coming to meet with him? Uh, or am I coming for some uh, other reason? And, and uh, when, when I read the Bible these days, the, the main reason is because I want to come into his presence. I want to hear from him. I want to meet with him. I want to learn from him. I want to become more like him. And it's just such a tremendous joy uh, to meet with him. Now, growing in that enjoyment of God and his word actually can be a process. So I don't know if you, the first time you had coffee, did you enjoy it? Me? I didn't. I love Jeannie. She, gets, she always gets my jokes. Bless you. Bless you. 
Blessed are you, <laughs> for you get my jokes. <laughs> but uh, but you know, for me, again, this was, this was a, a process, and, and of course, that's kind of a low pleasure in life, but, but the great things in life actually take, in a sense, some skill to enjoy. So think of literature, art, uh, or music. That takes cultivation. And so all that to say, we shouldn't be surprised, but take some cultivation in our lives to grow in our enjoyment of meaning with God through uh, his word. And I love what the psalmist says. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And here's what I found, that the more that I taste, the more that I see, the more I see that he is good. And, and so this is a process uh, in our lives. And the second thing is, in terms of attitude, is that we need openness to whatever God might want to show us. Sometimes we come to the, the, to the Bible with like, like, you know that medieval armor? It's like we got all the armor on. Like, okay, God, speak to me. You know? And like, he, like you know, he's like trying to like, you know, <laughs> like think of the, the parable of the sower we looked at a few weeks ago. It's like he's trying to sow the seed and just bounces off our armor, just bounces off. And see, our hearts can be, as we talked about a few weeks ago, they can be hard or they can be soft and receptive. And sometimes maybe there, there's a softness, but also there's these rocks in there. There's, sometimes there's thorns, there's distractions. But all that to say is that it's so important that we come with an open heart because that's not, that's not automatic. John chapter 5 Verses 39 through 40 says this. And so this is actually Jesus. He's addressing some religious leaders who they were actually reading the scriptures, but they're reading it without openness. And he says this. He's, again, he's addressing these religious leaders. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So what is he saying? Well, again, it's possible to read the Bible to do so with a heart that is unwilling to meet with Jesus and to come to him. In other words, without openness. And so if God, we want God's word to not just bounce off of our souls, but to actually transform our souls, transform our minds, our hearts, our lives, and we actually need to come with a posture of openness. Now, there's one more point. Uh, we're running out of time, and, and I might come back to this uh, in the season of Lent. But one last thing is that when we come to Scripture, we need to come with a heart to obey. Uh, James says it, that we don't want to just be hearers of the Word. We want to be doers, uh, and, and that is so important. But I'll just, I'll just leave it at that, and I'm going to kind of crash land this plane. So uh, brace for impact. Uh, ben, why don't you come back up? <laughs> Put your trade tables up in upright lock position. Um, <laughs> but just to sum up what we've seen today, why do we read the Bible? Well, first, because this is where we find life. Second, because this is, this is God-breathed. It's not just some random thoughts. Actually, this is God-breathed. And thirdly, because through this, God speaks to us. How do we read? Well, we need a plan. Uh, we talked about various things you do when you actually open this book and read it. But then the last thing is that it's so important to come with the right attitude. So important. And I hope, I hope this is, was helpful for you. And I hope that, that you will grow through your engagement with God's word and that he will take all of us deeper in him as we read his word uh, together. And just in closing, if there's anyone here today who maybe you're, you're, you're kind of seeking or maybe you're not sure what you believe about Jesus and um, I just would so encourage you, don't just take my word for it. Don't just take my word that this is the word of God. Read it for yourself. See for yourself what you think about this. And, and, and I, just, I just believe God wants to meet you in that. And so that's my encouragement to you uh, today. Um, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are living God that you're not distant, far off. You actually have drawn near to us through the ministry of Jesus, through your Holy Spirit, and through your word. And so we pray, God, as I pray you give us the grace to make the space in our lives 
that we would meet with you, that we would read your word, that we would become people of your word, that we would not just hear, that we would actually put it into practice. But Lord, we struggle. So would you just give us the grace to walk in your ways, God? Thank you, love us so much. Thank you, this isn't about performance, that you love us right where we are. We thank you, God, that you just want to draw near and bring your kingdom in our lives and the world around us, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name.